Hello and welcome to the TES Issue Review with me, Richard Vaughan. I am joined today with Ed Dorrell. Hello. And Kay Wiggins. Hello, Kay. Hello. So, what's in tomorrow's paper today? Um, we have a great story here. Kay, you're up first. It's about how retirees should should be cruising into the classrooms, it says. Uh, what's this about? That's right. So it's a proposal from Baroness Mary Warnock, who is, uh, well, she's had a pretty impressive career, academic, former head teacher, public policymaker. Um, she has got this idea about, she's calling it Teach Last. Um, so as you might guess from the mm. name, inspired by Teach First. Um, the idea being that people who, when people retire, as she says, they are at the height of their powers. She says, you know, they've got all this experience, still got a lot of energy, imagination, enthusiasm. Why not try and harness that and bring those people into the classroom? Um, so that's her idea. I think it's quite different from Teach First in the sense that, you know, the, these these Teach Last teachers, they wouldn't be working full time in the same way that Teach First teachers are they'd probably be kind of peripatetic they'd probably be working with groups of local schools specializing in things like foreign languages where they might have had a long career as a diplomat is an example that she gives and says why not bring a retired diplomat into schools let them teach especially minority subjects like russian where they could really help um, students and also she talks about you know how they could be good role models for pupils and it could just you know raise raise the status of the profession but are people just looking forward to putting their feet up, going on cruises? And I know I would. Indeed. <laughs> Isn't that what people want to do when they come to their retirement, when they hit 68, 69, 70? Well, maybe it is. When I spoke to her about this, she said that she would have loved to do this when she first retired. Um, you know, she said she, there's, a, there's a bit of a, a gulf that you reach. You know, mm. you've, uh, you probably wouldn't want to go full-time into the classroom. But if you could do a few days a week be a way of staying connected with the community you might learn a lot from doing it so I don't know she, she thinks that if this scheme had existed when she retired she would have definitely done it and would have had a great time and how likely is it to actually happen well that's a good question I mean at the moment it's you know it really is at its early stages this is just an idea but having said that you know uh, Mary Warnock is an influential figure so there's a possibility that people will see some promise in it okay. It's a very good idea. Um, let's watch yeah, that space. It's not without its controversy. Um, obviously, these will be untrained teachers. Yeah. Uh, because they're kind of cute and old, it's easy to forget the whole controversy around um, QTS. You know, why sh- just because you're old and experienced in, say, medicine, why, why should you be parachuted into a classroom? That's apparently the kind of saviour of the teaching profession. But I suppose it, if you're... no different to teach first. No, 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 I appreciate that, but I would imagine you wouldn't be as Kay says, thrown into standing in front of a classroom full of 16-year-olds, perhaps being a teaching assistant or something like that, and lending or support. Peripatetic, or yeah. peripatetic, exactly, as Kay said. It's just a bit difficult. I know. Well, well it's, it's not just you. I mean, we, you know, we spoke to a lot of people when we were writing this piece, and you know, some of the unions were you know, quite concerned about the idea that if, if it were to be seen as part of a solution to the teacher recruitment crisis, for instance, that would be a damaging thing because mm. you don't get more teachers by bringing in loads of new unqualified Absolutely. people. There's a massive waiting list for allotments, isn't there? So maybe <laughs> while you're waiting for your allotment, do a bit of teaching. <laughs> Keep you fit. Absolutely. Um, it's a good story and I think it's a good idea. Uh, <laughs> moving on, Kay, we're sticking with you. Uh, you've got another belter of a story. It's uh, the long wait... 
for a fairer funding formula might well be over. I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear that. Um, what's, what's going on here then? Well, fairer funding isn't one of those topics that people sort of instantly grab people's attention. But actually, <laughs> this could be a really important thing. So schools have been saying for a long time, and you know, there's a general consensus, it seems, that the current formula for giving out the Department for Education's budget to schools is based on quite historic factors, yeah. hasn't been updated for a really long time, could do with a rethink. There's a, quite a broad consensus on paper that, that that's fine. The difficulty is when you try and do it in practice some schools will lose money. Especially um, at a time of shrinking budgets. Exactly. So one of the teachers we spoke, one of the heads we spoke to about this story was saying, fine, you know, it's perfectly reasonable to have a fairer system, but you need to do that while increasing the overall school's budget so that you get small winners and big winners rather than winners and losers. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you might see when this starts to happen that some schools, unless there's loads of extra money from the Treasury for this, some schools will actually lose money in real terms so you know that would be a difficult thing it'll be difficult for the government to manage that but we don't uh, we're now in a period of a conservative majority government would this mean that um conservative uh, uh constituencies will, will schools within those will see a, a boost and... someone say port barrel politics well maybe i was just trying to skirt my way around it but uh, <laughs> and possibly schools and labor areas might see their budgets which have traditionally been quite well funded to see their budgets go down is that yeah, well when you look at who the highest funded areas are they are they do tend to be inner london mm. boroughs which do tend to be labor run and the lowest funded areas are you know in the counties places like we've got Woking and pool south gloucestershire um lots of those <laughs> places types of places tend to be conservative run i don't know I maybe mean, i'm being over cynical about this whole thing it is worth remembering that um the coalition government had a go at this in, I think, 2011. Mm. Yep. Um, so much so that an unnamed special advisor told me that it was only months away. They got quite a long way down the line. They, no, the formula itself was drawn up, they modelled it, and everything like that. And in the DfE, from my understanding, they were all ready to go. It was actually the Treasury, or Number 10, I can't remember which, who put their foot down for political reasons. So, uh, However um, gung-ho the DfE might seem, it is a political minefield, and if it comes along at the wrong moment, mm-hmm. um, number 10 can get very, very squeamish about such things. It, yes, it, it regularly gets kicked into the long grass, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, someone once told me that, that it would just never happen. It yeah. was politically impossible. <laughs> well, we'll see. It's in the Conservative Manifesto, and they have uh, pledged to, to, to do everything that's in the Manifesto, so... Um, We'll watch that space. Uh, moving on entirely, we're going to our uh, our comment piece this week, which is um, is saying teachers should give up lesson planning. Uh... <laughs> that is a, that is a simplification. Should we say it's written by a guy called Chris Bolton, who those of you who are kind of familiar with um, the Twitterati and uh, the uh, bright young things that teach first might well be aware of him his work. He's an interesting guy, and he's got lots of interesting opinions about um, restructuring education. Um, And one of his lines, as you correctly say, Richard, is uh, we've got way too hung up on planning. He doesn't literally mean teachers shouldn't plan. What he means is that we should have uh, an almost a two-tier system. We have teachers as deliverers of lessons, and then you have a sort of centralised database of the curricula and the lesson plans. 
uh, which I think to a lot of teachers would sound like uh, debasing of the profession. What he argues, though, is he points out examples like medicine. Most medic, most surgeons don't deli- don't develop uh, the surgery that they undertake. You know, the techniques used for a hip replacement are developed by professors of medicine. That doesn't make that doesn't mean they're not talented. They're extremely talented at picking the right technique and then delivering that technique. So his line is. Um, uh, so have we got teacher professionalism all wrong? What if our expertise lies not in planning and resource design, but in knowing about the best resources, making informed, intelligent choices about what to use and when, and making face-to-face decisions, i.e. the interaction between you and the pupils? So what he's saying is we've sort of confused teaching. The art of being a teacher should be the art of being at the front of the class and knowing what to deliver, but not de- developing that technique. So does that mean a, a return to textbooks? I think he doesn't mind. I think, you know, if the textbook is right, in fact, I think he says, um, I would use the right textbook if it's the right one. But it would be equally as valid of a resource-sharing website, TES, for example, <laughs> uh, or the best textbooks, or the best uh, entire curriculum and plant schemes of study, which you can buy off the shelf or get for free. What he's saying is that that stuff is, uh, is high-level knowledge that should be shared and the expertise of the teachers should be in delivering it and knowing where to get that knowledge from and then knowing what knowledge to use, what lesson plan to use for that specific class. But I guess the, 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 the crux is whether or not you have confidence in the content that you're using. I yeah, he, he talks about that too and he says, you know, we have to spend a lot of money mm. de- developing and iterating um, such uh, lesson plans and textbooks and schemes of work and the like. But it's a radical idea. And ultimately, if it was right, you'd hope it would alleviate the workload. Absolutely. Which is... Very interesting idea, I thought. Yeah, no, it's a really good piece. Um, Thank you very much for that. And we are now going to move on to our cover feature, which is all about China. Um, William Stewart uh, went off to, to, to the Far East to... To figure out what, why, in fact, uh, China is, is turning to a more uh, British-style education. Is well, not, right? not all of China, but the middle class. The middle class is yeah. true. I mean, it's a fascinating, it's a really fascinating paradox. In fact, I think that's the word we use. Yeah. Uh, it's a fascinating paradox. Uh, China, or certainly Shanghai and its uh, region, are incredibly high-performing in international rankings. I mean, they have... Uh, pupils performing years and years above the international um, average and yet there's a burgeoning international schools marketplace over there now most of those kids who attend schools like that historically or until very very recently have been the children of expats or the children of Hong Kong Mm. natives Um, what's happening now and we're very much at the embryonic stage is that the Communist Party is opening these schools up to Chinese residents and Chinese-born kids. And they're flocking to get a Western-style education. Now, in Peter's terms, that, that might be seen as madness. But what they recognise is that they don't want uh, this rote learning... Uh, in, say insanity. This rote learning intensity that you get um, in a lot of high-performing Chinese high schools. And yeah. Will went to see one. 
it's, it's, it's been part of a much broader push. I mean, even the curriculum is beginning to change mm. in places like Singapore and mm. other high-performing uh, countries in the Far East where they, they're concerned that they're not creating creative thinkers. In rounded systems. In rounded systems. Uh, problem solvers and all that kind of thing. They're creating kids who are, are very, very good at passing tests. But uh, we're faced with a problem to solve. But it, be so hot. it struck me, however, I mean, it seemed blindingly obvious to a certain degree because one of um, one of the private schools over here, biggest imports are, are Chinese yeah. and to a certain extent Russian students. Um, they were always going to be onto a winner, weren't they? If you're going to set up a, um, a traditional British that, school. And, and all the evidence suggests that it really is one hell of a winner. Um, the numbers um, that we're now talking about, and this isn't, isn't just China, this is international schools in general, are vast. Mm-hmm. In the next 10 years, projections suggest they will need another 175,000 teachers. Now, bear in mind that the majority of these schools teach British curriculum and British qualifications. There's a lot of job opportunities out there, people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But what, what, what's uh, interesting about Will's piece is... It, you're eventually going to be developing what he describes as a super student with the Chinese. Yeah. You've got the sort of hybrid of the, of the Chinese people with the tiger mother and the approach to work, but combined with the best of a Western education, um, you know, will suggest that that is, you know, a world beater. Indeed. Uh, it's a fascinating read uh, and well worth picking up. Um, I think we're going to leave it there. That just leaves me to say thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you pick up tomorrow's TES from all good news agents. And that just leaves me to say thank you very much and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>